0: Welcome back to the Hi-Fi Podcast with Darren and Duncan, and I'm Darren. I'm Duncan. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, listening position today, um, uh, how you're oriented in your, uh, in your room and how you're uh, listening to your serious system and how uh, small little things can change uh, how you perceive uh, what you hear
1: yeah not just the wear of it but the kind of features of the listening position mm-hmm. talk about the two feet around you you know in every direction maybe and how those play in a role into what you hear
0: cool um well duncan what's uh what's going on with you uh audio wise man yeah it's been an this interesting week. interesting week um
1: at uh at work i mentioned last week i was doing the youtube videos and we shot uh two of them on thursday and those were great yeah i put together uh, synergistic setup uh, so that'll be that's the first in that series i think i talked about uh that we were going to do this but um yeah now we've done it so it's gonna be great and come out in a week or two uh on the the music rooms youtube channel but essentially i found uh two components made on the opposite side of the world 30 years apart but with some of the same design objectives in mind and that's kind of the theory about behind my searching for these synergistic systems it's not just that you know sometimes i test gear i should reintroduce myself i'm duncan i'm a testing technician at the music room which is the world's largest reseller of hi-fi audio gear also a source for all kinds of new brands as well but um i'm a testing technician so all the used stuff that comes through i i tested everything from yg acoustic speakers to had some we had some martin logan neoliths come in and probably the biggest crates we've ever seen um at the warehouse in our 10 years of business but um yeah so i got to deal with some cool stuff and uh and um yeah, the the yeah the were huge. Um, but anyway, so sometimes when I get great speakers, I will find great amps to pair them with, and and kind of start putting things together. You, you have a selection of amplifiers. Oh man, stuff that's waiting for photos. There's this killer Martin, Le, um, Mark Levinson amp right now. that's waiting for photos. There's a, um, you know, uh, let's see. There's a cool B A T balanced audio technology, uh, amp. You know, I could grab that. Yeah, sometimes I've mentioned that I've had, you know, low power, uh, low wattage tube amps that are really cool. And I'll look around and, oh, there's some efficient speakers right there. Let's throw them on. I
0: always, uh, you know, <clears throat> think about how, uh, you know, you're in a unique situation where you have, you know, you're just like, a, 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 you know, like a 20 feet away from all this crazy gear that you can pull off the shelf and just... Slam on your bench and combine and listen listen to that pairing and that's yeah. Such a unique uh position to, to be in that's to crazy. be able to hear so much uh different gear. We
1: yeah. all take this arc. I'd say I'd say those of us who have an interest in this audiophile thing, take this arc where it's like at first you're just like can't believe anything and you're just drinking from a fire hose. Yeah. Try yeah. to listen to everything and really Wrap your brain around it and, and um, man, uh, then that, that kind of wanes over some time because you really have to get work done and you have to, you know, move through things. And, you know, there's there's a an aspect to which being an audiophile is not the best thing for this job because it might distract you. However, the industry is so crazily complex. And if you look at all of the past things that have been tried, just not even talking about people all doing the same thing, which definitely happens all throughout the industry, throughout the years. But throughout the years, there's always people trying new stuff. And you magnify that across the breadth of the the history of audio. Um, You know, we do get more modern stuff than than vintage, but you just have to be nimble-minded enough to like, be ready for some weird features when they show up, and and like try to understand these pieces of gear um, from the posi- perspective of like junkies of that brand that are looking for that thing. So you need to know, you know, if, if, if some people do, do it, you mean do you mean fanboys? Fanboys. Some people. Some fanboys <laughs> will educate us on on the such fine oh, little points that that, that we missed yeah. or something. yes yeah, yeah. like that thing that doesn't is missing surprise from me. this one i have one of these mm-hmm. and we're just like there's no other way we would ever find out about that yeah yeah something i was uh, searching for today i ended up having to um call up a or uh, email a like a regional sales manager and then talk to the engineering department of a major manufacturer just to figure out like some little little thing and it turned out, Oh yeah. One channel of our amp is reversed from the other channel polarity wise. So that, you know, I was trying to connect a, a high level subwoofer connection okay. to both channels, trying okay. to connect two amps, uh-huh. two subs. The right channel wasn't going, I wasn't getting mm-hmm. any signal mm-hmm. and I'm like, why? And so, yeah, it turns out that the, the black negative post on that amp is actually, carries a signal and it's only on that channel, but it's, but then it's inverted. Right, so it matches the other one. So then my question was, did he double invert the other one, like to match the timing? Like I don't get this, Um, (laughs) but apparently it was it was the best way to do that. For well, I I should I should mention this is the amp. It's the NAD M33. It's very popular, popular amp right now. It's made in a very specific way, so it's the Purify amplifier modules using the Eigentakt you know technology, and so it's a brand new amp. So yeah it's just like how does this work and then I uh and so I did all this research and found it and also realized in my searching online nobody's talking about this like if you want to connect two rel subs to an m33 you've got to actually do it a little different um you know I'm in, I'm in the process of really thoroughly double checking before I think maybe we might make a video about this but the idea of of like that that you connect the 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 hot leads on the speak on cable for the rel, so red and yellow you connect them together, and then you connect that to the black binding post to the right channel, but on the left channel, you connect it to the red binding post that was just very interesting news to me, but anyway, it just i I think it's a great example of like how you just never know like people are really trying. I mean, you're a very creative designer. Uh, Darren Myers, uh, is a senior analog design engineer at PS audio. And some of your designs are really kind of, you know, breaking the mold or, or thinking about things from a different perspective. So yeah, it makes the testing job and, in and in, in wanting to present a listing for somebody as accurately as possible. It makes it tough. So mm. anyway, you go through this, 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 these trajectories and then, and then you come back to, um, you know, years of this fills your brain with so much information about all these different products over the years. And, um, you really start just really respecting the industry, the, the way people experiment with stuff. It's, I, I, I love my job. I love being an audiophile. I love this hobby. I think it's So cool on so many different levels. Yeah. Especially when you're able to sample so much too. You know, it's because of that, that I have respect too, because some of the stuff mm -hmm. does what they say it does, or it really sounds better than other things. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you have to, you have to be,
0: you have to admire that stuff. Yeah. And then, and then your perspective of taste, you know, comes into play as well. Like where you get to. Um, say, uh, you know, I think this might be great, but it's not for me. It might be yep. great for someone else you that has go, a different taste. Or and, I think this type thing might be great
1: with another piece of gear. Yeah, all, all kinds of. stuff. Yeah, 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 and combinations. Yeah, we, sure. We talk about people's tastes all the time. Oh yeah. You know, when we're yep. talking about when you're evaluating a speaker, and you're like, well, that top end. Hmm. I could see that some people would really like that. Mm -hmm. I couldn't live with that, but I could see some people would. Mm -hmm. And anyway, yeah, we go through that. Um, Yeah, it's fascinating. And, you know, I wanted my picks of these synergistic setups to be, like, not just based on my tastes in sound. You know, um, I do believe that all of the years of experience and all of the experiences that I bring to everything, you know, from recording to everything, um, gives me a perspective of like, what is good sound? Um, I think I have a pretty mature perspective on that and, and take on that. Um, it's like fine art. It's like, you know, the people with the most expertise and time have, have the best, Uh, right to say that this is excellent and they can explain it, you know, and that's similar to that kind of thing. I think so.
0: we think about um, artwork, we think about, you know, the different forms of art as in, you know, painting and music and writing and all those forms of art are so old. Um, But, the form of reproducing uh something like sound is so new. Uh yeah. where where it's just hi fi, the word hi fi and the reality of hi fi is only from, you know, the nineteen fifties and sixties and onward. And uh I think that's really interesting that we're so we're so early in an art form. And I, I do consider it um you know a partially uh, science and partially art, but, but you can break that down in any sort of art form. Uh, like with music, you can get into music theory where there's, there's no discussion about subjectiveness. It's, it's music theories, music theory, and then whether you like that music and your interpretation of that mm. music and, and the right way to, to write, like, as far as, you know, Shakespearean, you know, uh, correctness, you know, versus, uh, right. Versus something that is, uh, more, more out there, you know, it's, it's the same thing about with, with audio when we're talking about, you know, objective and subjective views, it's, and, uh, it is an art form, um, of reproducing sound is an art. And, and I think it's really interesting that we're so early in it. Mm.
1: So yeah, those were uh, that's what we did. Uh, that's the synergistic setups video. You know, interestingly, we, we cast out a, a pretty big web and la- asked folks what they want to see. And that was the biggest response we got was people want to see, you know, handpicked, um, stuff that works together. Synergistic setups. That's just, that's it. It's not pa- our pairings. It's not even a whole setup. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be like two or three components just to keep Things manageable in terms of around your head and, and understand the, what's going on here, but yeah, so it's really exciting new um, video feature that I'll be I'll be doing regularly. Very cool. Um, in my own setup, I was doing another video about the Audience Power Conditioner um, that I was listening to for a few weeks, and um, when I took that out of the system, I also took out my decktet. And I think you came over and we were listening and I have this power line, um, that I hadn't been using in my house, in my
0: listening room. There's one outlet. An an outlet. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. outlet. Is it a different breaker? Is it on a different breaker? Do you know? I don't. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, some, a listener suggested that I get a device that intentionally breaks the breaker. So you just put it in there, it'll break it and then you can go see what it is. Um, and that, that helps you identify like where, you know, the circuits are at okay. your breaker. So That's that was, thank you for that suggestion, hmm. suggestion, by the way, that was great. Um, but what I know about this circuit is that, uh, the, um, the outlet is controlled by a switch near the front of my house. And what I had known other than that, the only other thing I known about it was that when I put one of my noise harvesters. And yes, I have one of those blinking. I actually have two of those blinking noise harvesters from PS audio. They're not the only ones that make that. There's all kinds of companies that make these like little noise suppressors or whatever. And they Mm -hmm. convert the, the supposedly the high frequency noise to blue led light. Anyway, um, I'd get, uh, a very different rate of blinking on this, on this one outlet. Um, the one that's controlled by the switch, almost nothing. And I, oh, almost the, nothing. the oh. other ones I get lots of blinking, right. And okay. I don't have any dimmers in my house, but you know, it's a house. have got a lot of stuff going on. So yeah. but the problem is, is it was controlled by the switch. And so I didn't want somebody to be able to turn off my, my system. If, yeah. That's, that's not good. Right. So what I did was, um, I actually swapped the outlets the other day cause the curiosity just kept nagging at me. And uh, and I did another hot swap of my uh, Furrotech outlet, nice. but this time I had to hot swap two because I was switching two outlets. You know. Yeah. Did you shut the breaker off this time? That's what I mean by hot swap. Oh, jeez. I am not doing this safely. Let me just be clear to everybody. I have thick leather leather gloves on, and I do things very slowly and carefully. And it's not safe. So don't do what I do. <laughs> I'm just lazy. Anyway, um, so oh, I did it. Oh boy and uh and what i noticed pulling this outlet out is that the bottom actually has uh positive negative and you know everything looks right black cable is the hot uh white cable is the neutral and then of course there's a the ground but then there's this red cable in there and and there's a lot of wire just jammed into the back of this outlet like housing right in the in the inside and there's all these like like um, parallelings and like and like groupings yeah, and yeah, gangings yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the upper outlet has only the hot connected, no neutral, but there is a earth ground to the, to the outlet body. So I was like, uh, is that right? And yeah, you can power stuff apparently without a neutral. Um, uh, I've been doing it, but anyway, I noticed, so I think that the switch is only for the top outlet actually. And it's not for the bottom outlet yeah it's weird anyway Hmm. i moved my whole system over i did some research i came away with the conclusion that i will not use that top outlet just because i'm i don't need it and i just don't want to mess with like what is going on here and trace things back the guy who lived in uh, built this house actually was a scientist and he had a bunch of oscopes and like stuff downstairs and you know i can see signs that he was doing some electrical stuff here but i (laughs) i have no idea (laughs) But anyway, it's it's a different outlet and it's closer, which allows me to run the decktad on the other side of my system, and then run two of my cables to my subs. So now I have my cables on my subs, and I have them filtered through the decktad after the regenerator. Because I don't know if you, so you came over and we were like, wow, that there's a width to this soundstage that's like really impressive that maybe wasn't there before. Um, mm-hmm. I noticed tonally, I missed some things about what I was hearing with the, uh, with the audience in place and what I remember from the deck tent in place, but I, I'm, I'm But we so... also switched
0: outlets, so we yeah. weren't consistent.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, so we tried that yeah. other outlets. So the only difference between what we tried and what, um, I ended up doing was that I switched it's a, it's now a furtech outlet versus just a regular outlet but mm-hmm. yeah we did switch outlets to that one I'm talking about right yeah 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 so so in the meantime since yeah and it, and it's, it was great it was like it's it
0: a little wider it's yeah, a, it a little wider, and, wider yeah. and
1: I'm such a junkie for a wide sound stage so mm-hmm. like even if there's some tonal differences I'm not going back so mm-hmm. we're always going forward and always up so what what I noted and you kind of agreed with was that the bass wasn't as good as I like to remembered it as you know as it was when i had the conditioning so i'm thinking okay how can i do this um and the answer is to put the dectet after the the little power conditioner i have after the regenerator instead of in front of it because then i can maintain this you're putting theory the of... the dectet after the regenerator yeah yeah okay. and so i can maintain this theory of um of of no no conditioner before the regenerator just because I'm trying it. I'm just trying some stuff. And
0: are you putting your power amp on the conditioner too? No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. 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 No power amps on the high current output of the regenerator. Okay. I don't have a problem with this. Okay. Yeah.
1: No, because I realized that the the subs don't draw much at all. I mean, they Mm -hmm. are, they're supposed to be AB amps, I believe. But when I connect them, you know, the wattage draw is just not, a ton, so I felt comfortable putting them on
0: the regen- and on the conditioner after the regenerator. Well, it's crazy how long we can just talk about power,
1: <laughs> because it makes such. We an could effect. just
0: uh, we could just go on and on about different power tweaks and different things that we've tried, and it's all audible. It know. is audible. Yeah. My
1: bass is improved. I, I actually yeah. improved my bass doing this. Yeah. Um. In my system, it's a combination of using my cables over the stock cables, and it's a combination of uh, this, this filtering, I just, I'm, I'm really happy. It's, it's, that's great. It's really happening. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's really all that's been up with me. So Darren, it's been going on with you.
0: Well, my, my house is a bit of a construction zone at the moment. Still, Probably Uh, for a while. (laughs) Um, so I am finishing up the, uh, second, base cabs for the the uh second pair of of 18s and uh Yeah, do you have them
1: both glued up now? And you just need yes. to sand them and yeah, just the thing. sand you and You're going to prime them too, yeah.
0: I'm going to prime them yeah. and then paint them and then and then mount the drivers in them and um also build the uh the concrete and sort of thing platforms for them. But um uh I think I said this last week, but I I blew my, my Dun lobby. Did, yeah. Um Sad. and so I ordered uh TechStream drivers from SB Acoustics. Oh,
1: those arrived this
0: week. Uh and the, yeah, so they arrived this week and I have them in hand. They're so pretty, oh, they're so they're, beautiful. They're
1: crazy looking. Yeah,
0: they're crazy looking. So TechStream's this new um carbon fiber composite. Uh, that was, I don't know what industry it was, it was, uh, developed for. I can't remember. I was, I was reading about it. Um, certainly not audio, but, um, it's very advanced and approaches the performance of beryllium, um, at a fraction of its cost. And, um, and, and it was just Wolfers released out of it. Yeah. Wolfers you can, yeah, you can make, you, you can't really with beryllium. No, you can't. Yeah. No. Um, and so uh so it, it you know they they possess uh very desirable properties um for uh mid ranges and tweeters. So this is SB Acoustics, and, I mean a leader. Yeah. It, and, know, and and it, they don't have anything to do with Techstream. Uh Techstream is actually they're they're doing business with all these top pro audio companies like Eminence just put out a uh Techstream compression driver too hmm. that is absolutely just bonkers good bonkers crazy low distortion wow. and and flat and so Techstream is is probably uh one of the newest uh speaker technologies that have come out during the um the you know the pandemic wow. and kind of like twenty twenty. hear uh,
1: what our um, speaker expert chris has to say about that
0: yeah yeah he's you know
1: the he, look of them reminds me of the Vandersteen carbon drivers i don't know if they are Texturing are similar, but just has that like large checkerboard kind of like mm. look at it from different light, and it kind of but yeah. And then you 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 lightly gently tap the, the your drivers because mm-hmm. I did get a chance to yeah, touch yeah, them, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it's like you can hear the rigidity, it's like the thinnest yeah. aluminum or the most
0: mm-hmm. stiffest aluminum or something, it's Extra it's light. ultra yeah. rigid, and then you look at the uh, frequency response of the driver, like this is like a five inch, uh, you know, mid woofer and they don't break up. Um, and it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, they that's the problem with uh, a lot of, you know, aluminum drivers and also, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kevlar and, and, and very rigid type of materials is that they, they may have a higher breakup point. But when they break up, it's it's a disaster, yeah, and it's very audible, and right. so that's where the industry started going back to paper, and started really innovating right. paper cones, yeah. Which um, it was techniques. quite amazing how far you know we've taken paper cones, like yeah. the ScanSpeak revelators, a paper cone that's right. you know reference level performance. Uh, SB Acoustics with their uh, Egyptian uh, papyrus uh paper cones uh which are in uh uh is is kind of like the cone that that Wilson uses for the most part um you know it's uh it, it's it's very interesting how that how that break happens but anyways text stream is is very rigid but it doesn't have that horrible breakup hmm. uh characteristic so uh it's going to be interesting to see how what these bring to the table and and integrating them into the Dunlavy design, and then uh, Chris is uh, going to be designing a crossover for the Dunlavy. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, so. and you had mentioned last week that uh, just a little tidbit about
1: about the way that that the Dunlavies were set up is that the mid range they they kind of relied on the inductive properties of the that mid range driver. Yes. So yeah. now when you switch it, you know, as we as I think you mentioned last week. You're actually going to add inductance here to like replicate. You're trying to do the same we things
0: are. with different uh, materials. We're trying perform. to replicate the same frequency response. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, you know the the driver pick from John Dunlavy was uh, couldn't have been better at the time uh, because the driver uh, performs exactly the way he wants it to perform in the range that it needs to perform. Yeah. And then his crossover for the mid range is very minimal. It's it's right. it's almost like the way I put it is he's almost shelving it. It's not necessarily like a a, a a crossover that has a slope that continues to go down. It's just kind of like a shelf, like it, yeah, on especially the on the bottom yeah. end, is just like this little shelf. Well, you can learn something from that, and um, you have yeah, like, yeah. Is is that he used the enclosure of the mid range. Yeah. And the, and the properties of the driver itself.
1: Yeah. To, to, yeah. to, and then, and then I guess the shelf was just this, the tiny adjustment he needed to do to just kind of push to it over it, the edge it, and get yeah, it to happen. And get the frequency
0: response. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. That's so cool. That's, uh, so there is one, one flaw in, in it all. And that is, is that whenever you have high driver inductance, that inductance actually causes modulation in the driver. So it causes distortion. Yeah. Um, and so ideally you'd want a driver that uh, goes uh, all the way out and then you actually add the inductance externally with, a you know, an air core inductor that doesn't yep. distort and doesn't have hysteresis distortion and all that. Um, Probably with a similar DCR to the original mid-range or maybe to that. Well, it doesn't. I it mean, doesn't have to working. be just because we're we're completely redesigning the whole crossover. Um, so, but uh, it's so cool. Uh, you know. So it's somewhat of a what we're doing is we're we're taking the speaker from a Dunlavy design uh, to what I refer to as perhaps more of a Richard Vandersteen design. Mm. So you know, it's just using drivers that are inherently yeah. Uh, v- Cutting edge, okay, okay, you know, and and then having to design first orders around that, yeah. So um, that's that's kind of the approach. I just think that there's so much, you know, already the Dunn Lobbies are absolutely amazing. Like if you can snatch them up on the used market, then you know it's a no brainer, buy them if your um, significant other is okay with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, they're seven feet. Yeah, tall. They're 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 massive speakers. Um, but uh, you know, the the only thing that I really have to say about the Dun lobbies that I, you know, yearn for when I hear like an SC4 is modern resolution. Hmm. You know, and it's something that, that I think, you know, Chris certainly talks about how he believes in that modulation is a big part of why it doesn't sound modern. And that it doesn't have the modern hmm. resolution is because of the driver inductance that was used. And also the tweeter is not, tweet you know, it's an older tweeter. It's a good tweeter, but it's an older tweeter. So, so we're trying to take the Dunlavy design and the scale of it and just try to bring it up to modern-day specs. So we're going to attempt it. We're going to keep you guys up to date with the project. Um, we're also going to document it, and uh, we're, gonna, if it's um, we're going to, if it's successful, uh, we're going to kind of open-source it. Uh, in a way, uh, as cool. far as uh, providing information on how to service done lobbies, the the crossover in them. Um, if and, you
1: do, if you document it, you should document it, and then I'll, yeah, I can create a new section of the website. We could just have this project kind of sure. ongoing. Could be a cool thing.
0: Yeah, and also just to provide uh, information about the speakers in yep. general. If people find broken or damaged done lobbies, uh, the good news is that. Um, at least the tweeters, which are actually most likely to, to To damaged, um, are still available off the shelf. Yeah. And we've proven out that they are replacements. Every day. I just enjoy these tweeters and I, I, after the first two weeks,
1: I I haven't thought about them once.
0: Yep. And it's, it's the exact same design, probably with better QC today. Um, given the advancements in, in QC, uh, technology. Um, and, uh, and, and so even in the crossover, uh, I could provide the crossover schematics um, just so that just to support people who want to maybe make uh, modifications to their crossovers and all Those that kind, kind of stuff. resources
1: so, are so invaluable. Yeah,
0: we need to keep, uh, you know, something like this intact because uh, these were special designs. Yeah. So,
1: gosh, that'd be so useful to somebody like me who is constantly researching stuff just to make sure they know what what's what. And you, Yep. find so much stuff that it was either pre-internet or it was you know early internet and there's just no nothing no uh um nothing done to keep that information available you Mm -hmm. know domains were lost payments stopped and just it's gone so
0: yeah and you have you have people supporting certain communities like a ton of people supporting you know the Clipshorn community and i love these little
1: communities um yeah
0: yeah, and and you know, infinity crowds, you know, like the Kappa, Kappa series crowds that are supporting the replacements of the drivers and the. You
1: ever seen the Macintosh Compendium?
0: And, it's called the Macintosh Compendium. I've not. It's no. awesome. It's yeah, never, is it just a support of like schematics and um, no, or, it's or, or, it's
1: a it's a really concise PDF that's usually two pages, sometimes four of every product in their history mm. ever, and it goes into. All the specs all the you know uh, the price the year the how to tell the difference between the, t- the versions i mean <clears throat> it's like fascinating like some companies have so many products and or, or so many revisions or the same product but just mark 20 and like yeah wrapping your head around that is is can be tough for the um, used audio consumer but anyway
0: yeah uh other than that um i have um i've been talking about these room treatments forever because uh, i have been waiting on the shipment but they uh they officially ship today so i will be receiving them shortly and then um uh installing them in my room so i'll also make sure to update uh the website when um when i get the room completed so i'm gonna do a a podcast or two about because treatment i think through this project cool yeah cool main yep all right is that it for you for the week okay that's it i could talk more but that's all i'll say okay yeah
1: (laughs) that's good um all right so we've got two questions today by the way if you want to be a part of the podcast uh or just have a question answered or send us an audio file tip or an album recommendation we'll take all of that um we got uh, some great questions recently. Oh, our email address, I should say, is hi-fi at outlook.com. Pretty straightforward. Um, our website is www.thehi-fi-podcast.net. And you can always go there to the contact page and, and get that email address. But it's not too hard to remember. Um, so we've got two questions. This week, we got two questions that were very similar. Or at least our answers to them are going to be similar. So we're going to read them concurrently and then answer our question uh, subsequently. And so, um, and then we've got an audio file tip from a coworker of mine. Okay. The first question comes from Tom Peluso with the subject line streaming tweaks. Hey guys, since you have talked about several different system tweaks, have you done any streaming tweaks? I'm talking about audio file routers, fiber optic conversion, reclockers, etc. I've been listening to you guys since day one and you guys are doing a great job. Oh, thanks Tom. Um, and he's got a killer system. So the next, uh, bit is just, uh, shown off his system, which is Boulder eight, six, six integrated with the streamer and DAC in it. And, um, a rel S five ten sub and QLN prestige five speakers just looks like such a cool setup. Really cool. Uh, Um, just like an artistic look and here's some mosaic stuff and love it. Um, okay. And then Mike Glavin wrote with an email question, uh, with the subject line DAC slash digital setup. Hey guys, just listening to your latest podcast. Darren mentioned several times that he's beginning to strongly suspect that the general understanding of obtaining great audio through digital components is still essentially in its infancy and that RF and other noise sources are the true bane of digital audio. Towards the end of the show, Darren said that good DACs are not plug-and-play, and I very much agree, and that digital demands a similar amount of time and attention as properly setting up a turntable. Well, don't just leave us hanging here. What are your thoughts on proper digital setup, and what is your DAC digital setup routine? Keep up the good work, guys. Thanks. Well, thanks, Mike, and thanks, Tom. And uh, yeah, very similar kind of questions and and gives us an opportunity to talk about what we are doing and what we've done before and what we've experienced. Darren, why don't you go uh, start us off here?
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, I I, I very much so agree that uh, setting up a a great um, digital setup is very similar to setting up an analog setup as in all the attention to detail in every aspect of the chain. Yeah. Um, And it may not be completely um, similar in the sense that one is, uh, you know, thinking about RF and thinking about uh, the correct components and then setting up a good turntable is, is a mechanical exercise and, and, uh, exercise around precision and alignment. Um, but, but they're somewhat, uh, they, they can be compared because, uh, they're both not plug and play. And, uh, and, you know, as soon as the, especially when digital gets very revealing, uh, we start to hear all these, uh, all these things in the digital change that chain that's not right. Um, and noise is one of those. Uh, jitter is another, uh, jitter can be, um, uh, rejected, uh, which means essentially attenuated with your PLL, uh, through, um, yeah, PLLs, um, which are phase lock loops, which, uh, uh, kind of synchronize the incoming signal and, uh, can reject, uh, certain amounts of jitter. Uh, I don't want to say it's it's a hundred percent rejection, but uh they do certainly help uh, with the rejection of of jitter and we can we can measure this but but as far as noise goes uh it's something that we don't we can't quite measure just because of the complexity of the system so uh in engineering, we have kind of like a saying of if you go hunt for it you'll find it. And uh, mm. that's kind of when we're talking about RF, you want to go in there with a spectrum analyzer with a probe. There's all these different probes that cover different frequencies. There are current probes. There are voltage probes. You go in there and you start hunting for stuff, you're going to find something. Mm. In, the, in the cleanest FPGA that's mm. ever been, mm. you go in there and you want to find some noise. You, you're in luck because you're going to find some freaking noise, right? So it's a very hard thing to quantify noise. But also, uh,
1: like you say, because of the position in the complicated system, it's like RF entering the DAC is is hard to wrap your head around that effect since it's also going to go through the other components connected to the chip. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And so when when you think about the system as a whole, let alone just a single component that you're trying to isolate and uh, quantify in a, a, uh, EMC perspective. Um, it's, it's incredibly complex where you're just better off using your ears. Uh, certainly by the consumer perspective, whether you don't have any control, uh, over how this unit was, was designed from an RF perspective, right? But you, you must optimize what you have. And, um, and so there there are ways to do this and uh well stre- dedicated streamers were a huge leap over using a computer that's directly connected to a DAC, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's yep. widespread knowledge now that Well, most of the connections you know, would be
1: USB, so it's a combination of we're talking about the problems with computers and the problems with USB and also the problems with USB mm-hmm. and computers, right? The power supply noise, the, all that kind of stuff.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And the computers aren't really, you know, designed for audio, you know, they're designed to process information. And if, if you have a noisy clock on a computer, uh, it doesn't change, uh, the, the rate at which you can process information. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter, um, to Apple unless they pass, you know, their EMC guidelines. Um, Uh, but in audio uh, we, we strive for even more than that. We strive for the absolute minimum um, amount of RF, uh, you know, hash being exposed or created um, or emitted from the system um, because we know that that's going to translate to to sound quality. Um, And so, uh, you know, we have uh, many different options today. Uh, uh, Having a great, streamer is a no brainer. And I think, you know, most people realize that, uh, I've been messing around with an interesting device, um, from, uh, matrix audio called the, uh, X diff two. Yeah. And, uh, it has a, uh, essentially it's like a reclocker. It's got a femto clock in it. Um, it's uh, a 32 bit and, um, Uh, 768 kilohertz PCM capability um, and then 22.4 megahertz DSD capability. So pretty crazy DSD capability. Not many, not many DACs just accept, you know, that high of a, of a, um, a sampling rate for DSD, uh, let alone, um, even just quad rate. A lot of DACs don't even accept quad rate. So So
1: where does this fit in your Um,
0: rig? It, does yeah internet so, go
1: into it and then Spitif comes out
0: yeah, so right now i'm I have it set up through um yeah, I know horrible uh a Mac mini uh connected to the uh matrix With? Uh, via uh, USB okay and then uh that's asynchronous uh synchronization on the USB to then any output, whether it's, they do offer I squared S output, which is very interesting, especially for direct stream owners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a very interesting output. Um, well, for 18 conductors, it's the expanded version of Spitif. Yeah. And, and so, and then, then Balanced you have, well. um, then you, then you have your single ended, uh, SP diff connector and you have coax and, and you have a, um, and you have a, a, uh, uh, AES EBU oh, AES. Okay. uh balance connection output too. Oh, great. And so that's uh recently I made um a change between uh using an AudioQuest uh, cinnamon HDMI cable which via is via
1: I squared S. Interesting yeah I okay. squared S. So okay. I
0: was going I started out I squared S. USB to I squared S. And then I switched it out for um an EBU cable uh, uh, that is the Well Signature uh, by AudioQuest. Is that which is that sounds like an entry, absolute, entry level? Is that an entry uh, level so cable from AudioQuest? The Well Signature is the the top. Sounds like an entry level cable. Oh, um, oh, okay. Yeah,
1: so <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm so just that, kidding. that would it's, be the
0: the the william e low signature it's so it's the it's, it's the, the top that they make it's uh it's worth more than the amplifier that i'm powering <laughs> it's, system it's, with it's true um but, but you, you know but what you it's started unbelievable. texting me about this cable it's unbelievable i mean compared to the cinnamon which i believe i might be wrong by this i think it's about 400 a 400 hdmi
1: yeah but it's not the, just
0: hdmi it's it's the fact that it's it's i squared s so it's the
1: origination the originator the og of spitif the what yeah, comes yeah. off the drive is i squared f and then they reduce that to spitif and so it's like this should be better right because it's like okay on one hand, on one side over here we have the cable mm-hmm. and on the other side we have the format and it's like in this case the format should really prevail
0: right and be better than the aes yeah you know i i don't know what to say about it but well, the, but
1: you're using your ears, which is what this, tells um, us what actually is.
0: This cable is amazing. Yeah, that's. Right. I know it's expensive. I know it's absurd. Um, you know, when when it down to a you know budget system, it's not practical. I realize that. Um, when you're talking about a very serious system where you have, you know, a lot of money invested and a lot of time invested. Pfft,
1: it just made such a difference for you.
0: You know, I I would say that it's a yeah, it's a no brainer for a uh, all out assault system right. because and, of what I and, heard. And yeah, we should but,
1: disclose that you know, PS Audio works with AudioQuest. Yeah, PS Audio used to make their own cables, um, but anyway, that's that's largely why you've been exposed to mm-hmm. to to you know getting a chance to listen to the cables and then getting a chance to burn them in and listen to where they get. Yeah. Um. But you know the 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 um. The theory can be taken uh, away to to any other brand that makes a really really serious all out assault on AES EBU and, and there yeah. are some out there. Yeah, um, yeah. So this just, isn't uh, just high-end... this cable, but it's just it shows what an effect that yeah. over the format it should be literally I squared S should be better,
0: you know. Um, but yeah, it just kind of shows you what a digital cable can do. Yeah, they they really do. Um, they're really important. Um, it's, I don't know, you know, I, I always go into this with an open mind. Um, but I will say that I'm, there's something innately in me that is skeptical sometimes, you know, about this stuff. Yeah, we should be. I think it's, um, I think it's, it's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. But, but then, uh, you know, I've, I've, um, you know, I've trained my ears to be somewhat agnostic to, to whatever it is because, You know, it is what I do for a living and it's not, it's not really, uh, there's no like ego based, uh, part of it or there's not, you know, money sunk into it or something like that. I'm just trying to see what, what it gives. Yeah. And your whole
1: interest is based around um, improvements and, and possible
0: achievements in science, frankly. Yeah. And, And, and I, uh, this is, uh, this is serious what it brought to that system, but the matrix too is great. Like if you, if you, if you have a, um. You, if you currently have a computer that you that you have hooked up to your DAC, and you're currently running, you know, your just USB computer straight. USB straight to your DAC. Yeah, I think the Matrix is what? How much money is it? It's we it's looked like it up. It was four hundred. Yeah, four or five hundred bucks.
1: Yeah, I mean it, that's a no brainer. That's were, a no brainer. raving about this yeah. thing for months. It's basically yeah.
0: like re- revolutionized your digital rig, you know? right? Which yeah. which is uh, I will say, isn't very very good i should have well, a really nice streamer currently. well but, but, <laughs>
1: but the problem but is don't. you can't get an ethernet cable into here because your modem's in the other room you do have mm-hmm. a direct stream junior in here which has a built-in streaming DAC a bridge inside yeah. of it um, the,
0: the the matrix is better than the bridge
1: you, oh you've yeah. done the tests yeah yeah it's well than have, you, have you tried a, a well signature ethernet cable into the bridge i don't think you have
0: <laughs> they the, 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 uh, it would be um, diamond okay, uh, at that different. point yeah well i but, i have um, experimented with upgraded ethernet cables before yeah and i i've been shown the differences in that in that as well and um i was massively skeptical about that yeah. but I've, I've heard the differences even in that um and there's some nuances there you kind of have to make sure that you're you know, you're going directly from the router to your source using those cables. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to use, you know, like a, a hundred foot Belden and then, you know, two meters of diamond, you know, mm. uh, Ethernet. So, you know, anyway, funny is I've I've done some experiments
1: where you put a little bit of a nice cable connected to a pretty normal cable. <laughs> well, there. that's
0: what we do with power cables. Yeah, except, that is except there's miles. That's good. There's point. miles
1: of uh, cable, yeah, and
0: then we point. put this one great meter point. of cable, and it changes everything. Great and so, this is just where it's it's crazy. You know, I I don't know. I well, can't explain. It. I don't have all the answers. That's what I have to say. But but I listen to the stuff, and and I uh, when it makes an improvement, I stop thinking about the system and I start you know getting into the music, and that's when I know it, you know I'm on the right path and uh well the matrix is one hell of a deal you can you can uh upgrade the um power supply in it so that you're not running off of uh what we call the v bus which is the five volt power line on the on the usb cable and you can you can actually put a linear power supply into it um so you can make various up upgrades to it and i think for the price this thing is is made of like a billet of aluminum so it's yeah. it's actually it's real milled nice. yeah. aluminum yeah I've and they're selling it. it for like four or five hundred bucks it's crazy That's um cool product so so anyways great product if you are running a computer um setup i'd recommend uh upgrading and using um the the uh from matrix audio that the x spdiff two uh and then also experimenting with different ways of connecting your dac from there with different cables that's Mm. that's what i recommend other than that you know you want to be trying to um ideally you want a really high-end streamer you know ideally so i found that
1: digital sources like this streaming streamers and dacs really respond to upgraded power cables really good power um i found that it responds to i i have had success getting and upgrading my ethernet cable into my streamer right now though i it's a hundred foot run so it'll be a minute before isn't isn't the
0: power thing on the streamer crazy yeah
1: yeah, like like uh, it's
0: it, 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 even the damn streamer. Not 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 all
1: streamers though offer, I guess, an IEC jack. So I'm just thinking about the the typical bigger component ones like the Aurelix and the Renders. Yeah, but in, yeah, NUS in
0: that's too in NUS. Yeah, it, there's a whole bunch. Yeah. I've heard uh, power cable changes on that, and I'm just absolutely blown away. I don't know. Um, it, it's someone crazy. explained
1: it to me one time. It's just like the. The better a power supply is, the less it really responds to uh, a cable that's focused on like noise rejection and that kind of thing.
0: Well, we, you know, uh, again, the you're talking about RF return currents too. Mm-hmm. So you got to think about the inductance of the contacts of this cable back to where the 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 currents need to be returned, which is the green wire. Yeah. Right. Good point. And so, if you have inductance hmm. there, the currents want to flow in a different direction, and that's yeah, because the not chassis not of these devices is going to shunt, shunt the RF to ground, right? Uh, well, they, that's what you want, yeah, okay. to happen, yeah, right. But if you have inductance on, like, for instance, that third pin. Yeah, then right. that's point. bad because any sort of you know Y capacitor or any sort of common mode capacitance that's supposed to be shunting this frequ- this high frequency to ground, and making those return currents uh, go through the through through the earth ground, uh, they're not going to want to go that way because there's there's too much inductance, so the mm. impedance at high frequency is going to be very high, so it's almost going to look like an open circuit. Have you ever looked at a ground just a typical ground on an oscilloscope just see what's there? Um you know, it, really what you need to do is it it's more so you'd want to um look at it with a uh, some sort of impedance analyzer. You know, like because the the scope I didn't mean for the impedance of the
1: connections like what you're talking about. I mm. meant just the just whatever's on the ground. Oh, on the ground
0: oh Just you can do that oh sure like yeah you oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah you can um, you can compare ground voltages uh, well you can through an o an scope and you, you can, can see, see the, the ground I guess you noise can see the alternating current yeah then well that's the uh, y- well when you so whenever you have impedance in the ground path that means that you probably have a voltage across that impedance if you have a current through it mm. so what you okay. do is is you can use an o scope to To look at uh, the voltage waveform over a certain ground path. Gotcha. Yeah, if there's a current, there's going to be a voltage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, If there's an impedance, right? So you need you need an impedance. Oh, if the current. Yeah. To create a to create a voltage. Okay. You need you need the uh, an impedance. Ah, you've lost. If we, I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Well, well. You know uh so so uh, I mostly got what you were saying, yeah Keep so going. so well, that's what ground loops are is when we have when we have an impedance between two oh I see ground okay, references. Okay, okay.
1: I just needed to um, align and, my and head you the right you way. flow you yeah, flow a you.
0: current through that impedance, you're gonna develop a voltage because you're gonna get voltage drop it's yep. just it's ohm's law, but applied to the AC, AC sense. Hmm. Hmm so um so you know at at certain frequencies there's going to be a a varying impedance through that ground and so maybe you have almost zero ohms which is a short circuit uh at dc Uh, hopefully you do uh (laughs) and and perhaps you even have it uh at 500 hertz but at 500 kilohertz crazy You you may not even have it it at it it may be into the ground. It may be highly inductive, which means that its impedance is very high. It's like putting a big resistor at five hundred kilohertz or one megahertz, um, let alone ten megahertz now. So it's not
1: like the energy goes somewhere like it's converted. It it just doesn't. The current doesn't flow like.
0: Well, the, the the current flows, but the uh, there's a voltage that is that is uh, yeah, displaced but, over that. But you're ex- explaining
1: impedance. that it's it's a different f- flow of current at different frequencies, right? I mean, y-
0: you get that you that you have. I'd rather I'd rather talk about it as in uh, impedance that you have. You have a okay. uh, varying impedance versus frequency. I'm just trying to understand this, but
1: and you you're saying
0: that, yeah, that the higher the frequency you go, the, the, the less is going to make it to the ground. It doesn't want to, you know, it wants to, uh, electricity wants to go to the path of least resistance, right? Well, uh, true. Yeah. Uh, like look at lightning, you know, right. like for instance, it wants to find the path of least resistance. Um, it, it's the same thing uh, uh, with, with, uh, with RF. Uh, it wants to flow in the direction that has uh, the lowest impedance. Gotcha. Um, and, and, you know, when you have impedance, the flow of current is impeded. hmm Right? So that's where okay. that comes from is that it, it literally doesn't want to flow anymore. You, you transfer it to a voltage drop that is over that impedance, mm. which then you could measure in a voltage sense across across that those two ground references. That's mm-hmm. what I was talking about. Well, but,
1: you can you can go to engineering school like Darren did or you can use your ears and uh yeah and and realize that a yeah, a, a well-designed a better designed power cable can pay dividends on even these digital sources that are purely digital circuits, you know um what else have i experienced yeah i've done reclockers i've done the usb reclockers the mm-hmm. jitterbug and the uptone regen and then ps audio zone land rover um mm-hmm. the name of which i came up with actually that was fun um did you i did yeah yeah nice. that was me and uh that was
0: a, that's a clever one that's a that clever was a, one
1: it was such a great product and i i don't think anyone ever tried what i ended up trying it, it, it suffered from uh, not having all of the right USB certifications. So as the USB like evolved in the Mac oss and stuff like that, it ended up uh, causing some issues. And it was one of these products that was a great idea. Actually, did what it said it wanted to do, but uh, based on another industry and all these changes and that kind of thing, it, it ended up not being a great product. And PS Audio shelved it, but before they did, I hooked three of them up together. <laughs> yeah. That, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> so yeah, I like, so what it was was two boxes, ethernet on the outsides and USB. No USB on the outsides, ethernet on the inside between mm-hmm. these products. You go USB to the first one, ethernet to the second one, USB to the final destination. So you,
0: it allowed you to stretch your connection from your computer to your deck. See, this is what I'm talking about. Like, Digital gets tweaky, man. It, you know, it's like I it's had like people an
1: uptone regen, a, a jitterbug and three of these things just because <laughs> why not? Like let's listen to it. And I noticed differences every time I added one of those damn yeah. things. A little bit different. The uptone regen, I find really like like an improvement in bass and that's what really sticks out to me when i think about the uptone region and what it does to usb Mm -hmm. and i think the us the audio quest jitterbug uh a nice little refinement in the high end in the top Mm -hmm. end i don't know why it's it's probably uh, the reason
0: is is a very complex reason
1: yeah they reclock to different grids and it's some sort of interaction with the way my DAC handles it.
0: Probably your mileage very, vary, very, like. very complex yeah. answer there. Yes. You could get you could get many engineers on on the topic and and try to figure that the reason that out. Or we could just say that it it freaking sounds different and accept that. Um, uh, and I like it. And you know, I liked I liked two of them on each other. The
1: USB region, the the Land Rovers. So I'd convert USB to Ethernet to USB to Ethernet to USB, and somehow. That was better than just USB, Ethernet, and USB. So, I don't know. It's just like everything can, you know, make a difference. This is so complex, what we're talking about here.
0: Yep. Yep. And
1: and Mike, to put it in, in the words of like that we're kind of in the infancy of this, yeah, absolutely spot on. Mm-hmm. You know? So,
0: Yeah. years from now. Yeah, and it's... Um... You know, I mean, we we uh, with our turntables, we level them, we get the azimuth right. Oh, we I like
1: uh, VTA on
0: my. We get all these dance. things. We get all these things thanks right. For, thanks for bringing that up. But um, but with with digital, we, uh, you know, we have our own tweaks that are just as uh, it's just as tweaky as as analog. It really is, and it's just as finicky too. I mean, because uh, a lot of times when and this is the. The weird paradox of the analog versus digital um, kind of topic, which is the guys a lot of times who invest in serious, serious, serious analog don't have their digital setup tweaked to the max. It's not what they care about. And, And then... And then the digital guys who have their digital stuff tweaked to the max—they just have a garbage have turntable. a garbage turntable. I
1: have the most garbage
0: turntable in the world. It's true. And, it's and true. so you know, I'm you, embarrassed to own this And thing. and I don't I don't mean <laughs> like that. There's nobody out there that has both rigs tweaked. We're no. about to get plummeted with emails <laughs> on, on I have both. I have both though. rigs. You're kind of right you know, though. It's just, but it's but true. you know, just in my experience, it seems that in just being practical with being able to actually put money into something. If your passion is, is analog, you're going to dump it in analog. Yeah. And, and then there's people who are more mechanically inclined. And so they get driven into analog where they just understand it's all, they understand what's necessary to set up a turntable. You know, they, it's, it's innate to them. They, they just get it where with digital, it's this unknown. They don't understand what is, what they need to do to get you know good sound out of well, it and even then it was marketed from the very beginning as plug and play which is which is not true Um, it, it's it's very much so uh, right. the opposite yeah. so yeah you're talking about femto clocks you know and you know what,
1: what is a clock you know we know what the clock does but there's not some sort of you can't look at a cartridge and you can look at a cartridge and kind of know that cartridge but knowing a clock you know is just a different thing it's
0: well they're both um, strange devices yeah you know, both are extremely you know precise you know devices that are engineered on a precision level let's just put it that yeah, way that's for sure so
1: uh, anyways yeah yeah and then uh do you isolate your you have isoacoustics i think under your both your decks uh yes Almost yeah, yeah. Time. Yep. 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 i like the uh D H
0: audio, golden sound, ceramic cones. That's what I've been Yeah, doing and under my and dad. you've talked about, you know, mixing things up and moving away, mm-hmm. not only using sorbethane, but using other materials, which is which is an interesting idea that I just haven't really experimented with yet.
1: Yeah, and the idea of also mixing um uh, uh like sorbitane uh, sorbethane type of absorption with rigid ceramic type of rigidity you know and uh with with the addition of a of a a secondary uh platform so we've talked about you know you can instead of just spiking your gear you can spike it onto a soundboard that's made of a a really nice treated certain piece of wood you know lacquered with a wood you know wood-based lacquer or something like that and then spike it to that and yeah, there's all kinds of stuff we can do. We've talked about that before, but yeah, I actually get into that. My my DAC downstairs is spiked onto a one inch thick giant piece of acrylic, and then that is sorbithaned below. So it's you know, but my main system deck, it's on a wooden um, shelf. My rack is pretty pretty basic. It's just a wood rack that was not an audiophile piece of equipment, but it's a pretty cool piece though. It's nice looking. Yeah. It's perfectly sized. It's very strong and it's made of hardwood. So I yeah. can't complain about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just, I just rigid spike into that actually not with metal spikes, but with ceramic and, um, and you would imagine, you know, with a little bit of weight, my dax 20 pounds maybe the direct stream and so you think a little bit of weight into a wood shelf would would push the soft points of these ceramic cones into the wood maybe a little bit and base it a little bit i don't know for getting down well, the millimeter what do you which think about do with analog for getting down to the millimeter i'm seeing like a little bit of seeding into this thing right so the, i i i tend to think that that it it carries some of the resonance characteristics of that shelf, you know?
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, it makes, makes sense. And, um, you, yeah, I remember this, you know, I'll bring this up again. This is the second time I'm, I'm kind of bringing up this point that you made one time, w- w- which I thought was very intuitive, um, that the cables of the DAC are connected to possibly a tube amplifier that is highly microphonic. Mm. Oh yeah. I sure. thought that was such a great, point yeah um that you're isolating a device that is mechanically coupled in some degree to a device that if you were to flick those cables you hear it through the speakers
1: it, uh, this generated from when i got my hearing tested one time and i don't know if i shared this on the podcast before but i was really disappointed in what was supposed to be a relatively state-of-the-art audiology lab oh at yeah, my yeah, yeah 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 and how they were measuring my hearing on this pair of headphones that was like, like ten year old Grados, or it was like the type of headphones that you'd see at a kindergarten where you have a whole bunch of them. Yeah, they're so, worse than Grados usually. They're yeah, the they're, foam was all rot, you know, all nice. mashed away, and then um, but the ca- <laughs> the cable going to these headphones. If I touched... If I brushed against... It was the most mono, uh, microphonic, microphonic thing I've ever yeah. heard in my
0: life. Yeah, yeah. I don't
1: know how they even did it because I actually test... Like I mentioned, I'm a testing technician. I've listened to hundreds of, of headphones in all kinds of cables. And I've never heard one more microphonic. So, I had to hold perfectly still so that even in just a slight movement my shirt yeah. would rustle on this it, it, headphone the cable. noise
0: floor would go up and yeah. you wouldn't be able to hear and you're the you're supposed to hear these incredibly
1: yeah. quiet tones and yeah. let them know when it happens so yeah. I thought that was horrible and then also just got me thinking of, man, like cables can be microphonic for sure. Now, yeah. yes, this was something directly connected physically to my ears. So it's, it's a little different. But,
0: but, but you not, know, you were saying you should upgrade these power cables there and there. Your noise floor is through the roof. Yeah, well, I can't yeah, hear it
1: yeah, yeah next yeah. <laughs> time I go to the audiology lab at the hospital I'll come with some cables in my, in my hands yeah, yeah just yeah,
0: bring some power cables that you've made Yeah, I anyways. weaved these uh, headphone cables for you guys uh, you're welcome yeah. <laughs> anyway um, so I hopefully we answered the question to yeah. a degree what um, else uh, fuse I, I upgraded my fuse in
1: my deck it was a great improvement I don't know the typical stuff but the answer is yes to both guys you know Mike and Tom
0: yeah, yeah, and, and the, the, the answer too is not to go. If you have a budget, don't you know? Let's say that the budget is, um, let's say it's ten thousand. Let's just just throw it out there. It could be one thousand, could be five hundred. Um, you know, don't throw all that money just at the DAC because you're you need for the proper digital setup. You need a lot more than just that DAC, and I know that that's basically what um, he was saying in the end of, of the second question. There uh, was you know it's not plug and play, so you're going to need to save money for the proper digital source, meaning a very good digital streamer, um, tweaks like the the matrix, um, good good cables to connect this this thing Mm -hmm. up with power cables matter so sometimes just buying the all-out just crazy DAC for 10,000 isn't necessarily the move if if 10,000 is your budget yeah it's to split that up maybe you should buy six thousand dollar DAC now you have four thousand dollars to play with for everything else around it yeah and you'll end up way better off yeah the effects the cumulative effects of, of touching
1: all these different points on your digital or streaming sources is incredible. And it's worth it to focus that much budget and attention on. uh, Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks guys for that questions. Those questions, awesome questions. Um, and again, if anyone else wants to send a question, hi-fi at outlook.com, that is us. All right. So today's topic Uh, the listening area yeah the listening zone I mean we could say the sweet spot it's so often used to describe where you should be Um, but the genesis of this topic for me was you know everything around you and like the angle you sit on um, what's behind your head Um, I find myself this all generated from just my thoughts sitting in my system because i have it set up so that i know where the sweet spot is on my couch um, that's the listening position in my room and unfortunately just based on where it has to be my couch has 3 cushions
0: and it's on right on the crack between the first two cushions yeah don't you hate that it it always has to be on the crack it can't be just it's on the straight in the center of the cushion it's got to always the damn crack. be it's always got to be that way. Yeah.
1: But uh, I don't mind too much because the the cushions kind of like center me and support me from the sides a little bit, I guess. But yeah, that's not ideal. I would say that doesn't enter my headspace. But this is what I'm talking about. If if something does enter your headspace, that's, that's a problem um, if it bothers you. Um, but yeah, I know where my thing is, but, but I'm sitting there and I, I've set it up so that because I, Oh, I want to share this with you. I've watched you listen to to systems and I find that, um, a lot of times you, you make your back flush with the seat of wherever you're sitting. It could be a a couch or it could be a chair or whatever. Um, and I found my natural inclination is to kind of sit forward on the seat like a little front. So I noticed in the past when I've dialed in my system to be wherever I'm sitting, you might be sitting like in my old house. Mm. You, you would sit back on the couch, and I, and I would constantly kind of encourage you to sit forward a little bit, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and because it's like, well, I've dialed this in. But yeah, also- I'm,
0: I'm I'm just lazy. That's that's my problem. <laughs>
1: Well, and but that plays into it because you're getting comfortable, mm. right? And you're removing your muscles from the equation. And and what what do we do sometimes when it's really good, we close our eyes, right? You know, yeah. cuz you're removing distractions. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. it, it the music transforms when you do that. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So I thought it was an interesting thing to think about. So anyway, in my new system, I actually set it up intentionally so that it sounds really good when you're, when you're flat on, on your back's flat on the Yeah. Couch. And the other day For I was actually, I
0: went forward you. and you go, you, you said, Hey, sit back. Well, because I it's want a, you to hear that yeah. perspective. Cause I noticed,
1: <laughs> I noticed in my system, when you lean your, your, your back flat on the couch,
0: there's a little bit more of dynamics that pop out. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why you um and you, you, you mentioned this when we were talking about the topic for today and um but like just adjusting your head back and forth you know what a interesting listening exercise that you can do that yeah. is free and quick and you could do it right now you know you could stop this podcast and listen to your music and just move your head a few feet Forward, forwards and back. backwards yeah. and listen try to analyze that the difference between that sound.
1: And the reason that's a great exercise is that it's subtle. It's, yeah, it's very subtle. Yeah, it's one of those things that, uh, yeah, when when your ears are in the, um, when your ears are becoming golden, when you when you can really hear the differences between small changes, um, that's the kind of thing that is actually like a profound perspective change. Um, just just moving forward a couple of feet or, or mm-hmm. backward.
0: Now, now, talk about listing positions like, for instance, someone is choosing to build a room or set up a room that is quite large where you have multiple options. Um, you would uh, prefer uh, the listing position to be somewhat off of the back wall, well, usually?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So when we talk about what's behind you, that's as important as what's in front of you. And you and I have talked about that in the past. You've said that if you're far away enough from that back wall, you can consider diffusion for that back wall. You, you can, and it's highly recommended. But yeah. if you're really close to the back wall, and, and this is true, actually, in your listening room right now, you can have your head resting on the back of uh, on an absorber. Yeah, and it does the job,
0: like. It does. Yeah. It does. And, and as long as you don't have, it's very specific down to the room. Um, probably the the den, which is the room that you're referring to right now with the Sashas, that room I think suffers a little bit more from the, the standard situation where if you're right on that back wall that you're going to get some sort of uh, yeah. base reinforcement and there's going to be a node sitting there. Um, in, in the larger room, because I have this huge opening, there's like a kitchen that opens up into that room that there's not an actual boundary there. And so I don't hear it as, as much in the larger room, as far as being my couch is basically against the wall in that room too. And then, and then in the den though, because it's more of an average room, it's a kind of a rectangular shaped room. Um, with, with standard boundaries, uh, being, being on the, you know, right against the back wall, isn't really ideal. Usually, well, you no, know, you kind of want to be off a little bit, actually looking at your exact
1: room, uh, the absorber is in front of a window. So really mm-hmm. behind your head would be a window. And if you think about a window is a tensioned piece of very thin, rigid material mm-hmm. so that is, in a you know, a resonator you know oh and they they
0: move trust me i hear them yeah
1: so so having the absorber there um is a really smart idea because it really does it's not the type of room where you can pull this couch away from the wall yeah um because visually just wreck it and how many people are in that situation look we all have to live with other people we can't make a yeah. rat's nest yeah. of our of our houses you know and yeah
0: there there are some dedicated listing rooms where you can choose your listing position so you could start point. to yeah you you could start to you know choose different uh distances off their back Physically wall distance and, and listen listen to all those differences um but uh but in most uh, situations you know these aren't Uh, we don't get to choose exactly the setup. It's kind of given to us and then we're like, okay, how do I optimize that?
1: And this subtle listening that we were talking about with the the differences between head forward and head backward by just a couple feet, this kind of um, fine listening comes greatly into play when it comes to once you've uh, treated the room to a degree, uh, there still may be treatments that, that are necessary from the listening position that you can only, I mean, you can look at the room theoretically and say, I probably need to absorb here and I probably need to absorb here. But for example, my new listening room, the way it's set up is the closest boundary to me besides the wall that's behind my head, but which I've explained is a triangle shape because it's the stairs that go up behind me. Um, But the closest boundary is the left wall, it's a partial wall, and then and then a giant opening leads into the dining room, but it's a partial wall, so actually, with a lot of uh very very intense focused listening with no treatment, I can actually kind of hear the presence of that wall it's hard to explain, but I experienced this in my old place, where I had a wall nearby, and I had to do a bunch of treatment to try to take that wall out of it. I just i what i'm hearing for openness. I'm listening for openness and I hear something a little closed on the right, on the left side, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that's with my ears closed or eyes closed, that's with full focus on what I'm hearing. And, um, I can hear it from that, from that listening position. I need to treat that, you know? So, um, I don't know. We always go back to, to use your ears. If there's anything we can always encourage people to do is exercises, to train your ears, to, to get into this level of shape where you can, you can, uh, use them as a tool to, to kind of help develop your listening spot. Yeah. Yeah. So distance off the back wall, let's talk about uh, height, you know, um, you get a couch and it's just, it's what you have.
0: Um, Yeah. So, um, yeah, height is very important. Um, It does depend on the type of speaker that you have. Yeah. Why? Um, In in what way? uh, Well, that that speakers have uh, lobing patterns. So that's basically the dispersion down to each individual driver and how how it covers a certain range. Uh, Usually in this topic that we're talking about vertically, we're talking here. Um, that MTMs have a more symmetric lobing pattern than, mm-hmm. uh, a TM design. Right. And a, uh, a coax design would also have a, a pretty symmetric lobing pattern as well. Um, so, you know, the, uh, the MTM, you know, you might be able to get away with a little bit more vertical, mm-hmm. um, displacement off of it. But the TM design is not going to be uh, um, uh, as forgiving because you're going to get out of the lobe of the midrange. For instance, you're going to start to move into the lobing pattern of just the tweeter. For, if you're too tall, if you're if you're going above the twi- above the, the area the vertical area that you should be listening at. So uh, vertical displacement is very important with a lot of speakers and even, even MTMs, it's very important to be in its ideal spot. So you, you want to make sure that vertically, I'm glad that you brought this up because it's a, I don't think it's talked about very often, but uh, you know, vertically, it's very important. And, uh, John Atkinson, stereophile, he talks about, uh, what happens, uh, to a speaker vertically. Um, and in what would happen if you're kind of off-axis vertically uh, to a speaker, and so you know a lot of TM designs have very odd um, behavior when you get off of them uh, vertically on them, and then you, you get into you know p- planar speakers with really long you know narrow drivers, and you know you start to get even in 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 a, in a more uh, odd scenario where they're very directional vertically. It's interesting
1: that you can really play around with horizontal dispersion, but you really don't want to play around with vertical dispersion, right? Because if you've got a set of speakers or you've got a system where it sounds the best, not fully on axis, right? With the the drivers fully facing you, maybe just go a little off axis, tow them out a little bit and it's a little better that might have something to do with the pull response of the tweeter or something, or just your taste or a system synergy thing. But yeah, you just don't
0: want to play but around if with you, vertical too much. Well, if you look at the lobing patterns, so imagine like a tweeter has this kind of like somewhat of a, um, a bubble that comes out from it. Yep. You know, and that, that's kind of like the area that it has the best dispersion and the best characteristics that it performs in. And then you look at the mid-range driver, and it has this bubble that emits Bigger bubble. from it, larger bubble because high frequency is more directional. Directional, yeah. Right. Um, and uh, and you know there there's also a bubble in which that driver performs the best in. And so the the TM designs have asymmetrical lobing because you just have a tweeter bubble and you just have a mid-range bubble below it. So if you start moving too high, you start really moving out of the mid-range uh, 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 lobing pattern. Right. Where its uh, where just where drops. with the the whole idea one well, one of the main ideas of an MTM is that you now have a symmetrical lobing pattern, and so now you have you have another mid-range to phase in on the upper side. So you have you have a tweeter in the center, and then you have two mid ranges: one on right. the bottom, one on the top creating uh, uh, uh lobing patterns on the top and bottom and so um so you know it essentially to just sum it up it's that your uh your speaker depends it depends on your speaker yeah about, uh, about you know how critical your height in, is and where the height sh- the optimal height should be right yeah but you should play around with this and also uh you know, manufacturers may have recommendations of where the, the exact height right. that you sh- your ear should be at, you know, right. whether it's, you know, 36 and, inches or whatever it is. And this isn't be,
1: something that people naturally think about. So it,
0: yeah, it,
1: I, I think a lot of people out there listening can have an opportunity to experiment.
0: Yep. So, so we but, think, we think uh, horizontally a lot of times. You know, we're working yeah. about toe in, which is right. horizontal dispersion, right. Right. working about, trying to get in between the speakers. That's horizontal dispersion. Um, And we're not really focused that much on, on the um, vertical dispersion, but uh, there are tweaks. Um, uh, I was just about to
1: ask. Tweak Taylor. What can you do if it's it's like, I guess the same would be true for a couch or a chair, but what would you do if you wanted to raise yourself up?
0: Uh, You know, there, there are, so there are um, bed risers. That you can buy of different heights that mm. will actually uh raise your bed off the ground um and and why would you want to do that storage like so for big cities yeah in in when I lived in Montreal, we actually used these big bed risers so that we could just stuff mm. stuff under our bed because we lived downtown we didn't have storage yeah. units Tiny we didn't place. have yeah you know we didn't have uh, really even I many closets to store stuff so under the bed, it would just be pure storage. And so yeah, they make you know uh, bed risers and and furniture risers too. And so you can um, you can actually raise your your couch off the ground if it's too low. Um, and then the other way, you can raise your speakers off the ground if you're tall, you know so you need to factor your height in this too. like if you're far above you know average in height, you know six, you know six plus feet, you're, you know you need to probably take that in consideration yeah, yeah that the the speakers were designed for um for you know a certain sitting position of a, a certain couch that was a certain height right 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 of, of someone that was probably you know 5 ish or five five eight to five ten-ish you know and so if you're six four you're gonna be you know probably on the high side yeah of it yeah, so you got to right. take in consideration with your ear height. right yeah right. that's re- it's important. Mm. So the yeah. so the ideal is to align
1: your ears with the tweeter, right? I mean, yeah. And we say this not just because it makes sense, but because everybody designs like that. So so that's what the intended spot is going to be, no matter the speaker. I don't even met a speaker where they're they're just like never put this fully on axis or whatever. But again, that's horizontal. Vertically, it's just. From from my experience, it's always been tweeter, 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 tweeter. Eardrums, hmm. tweeter. Eardrums, tweeter.
0: Yeah, I you know, I I think there are speakers that are really um, escaping that mold. Okay. Um, you know, and and uh, it certainly doesn't apply to planers. Yeah, it, you know, some I you know Flyers. I I don't know, I, honestly I'm not sure I'm not sure how to respond to that just because I I, I see a lot of speakers today. With very high tweeters, and and one of the reasons that I think they're doing that is that the they start to get height that way. Mm. You know, you start to actually get this sense of height, soundstage and, height, and that's something I've, I've uh, some people have commented on the uh, D, the Wilson DAW is that they are they're surprised with how high it can oh. soundstage yeah. for a TM okay. design and stuff okay. like that. Well one thing you'll notice is that the the tweeters are above your listing position the the tweeters are rather high but then they're on this r- rakable you know, top end, wow. which which are kind of raking down to you, right? Yeah, right. That's it's like kind of the Wilson way inch. now. It is, is the Wilson is, way? Yeah. It is you know, when you look at the and, wham, the Wham and the the XVX, they're raking YG down. And YG yeah. and
1: all those guys have a little bit of yeah. This. It's it's yeah. it's it's raking yeah. down.
0: And Focal, it's Focal too, right? Raking. Focal as well. Yeah. It's yeah. it's this. Huh. So um. So I think okay. that they're getting like a sense of scale through that through that way, and, and then they're just designing.
1: For the position to be a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, so they, ears. they're kind of,
0: they're, you know, they're directing the tweeter at a different angle directly yeah. to you downwards. Yeah. Right. So that's another thing where, you know, maybe the actual vertical displacement of the tweeter isn't necessarily the best way to think about it. It's yeah. also that maybe this speaker was designed with an angle tweeter down to you. Yeah. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of manufacturers doing that, and um and you know they do get a little bit of that sense of scale. I'm I'm still surprised with what the MTM brings to the table when it comes to scale. Yeah, it really it incredible. really blows things up, and, and in the correct manner, not in like a line array manner where the line no, array is obviously tweeter. distorted in the sense of things are bigger than real life. Yeah but the the sense of scale through an mtm is 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 um i don't think you can you can really question it it's 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 uh it's fascinating yeah yeah so
1: um all right can you think of anything else i mentioned um
0: well um you know i i i would like to talk about you know comfort really quickly and then also the uh what's behind you in your chair that's the other thing okay let's do that let's
1: yeah let's talk about oh my god so many things so
0: so the chair the chair matters for a couple reasons you want to be obviously comfortable i mean that's just an obvious thing yeah but at the same time you don't want a chair that goes all the way up beyond your ears yes even even above the the neck really it's going Mm -hmm. to become a reflector Yeah. Yeah. So you would prefer a chair that, that ends, you know, at the shoulders or below. Right. And, um, and you want to, but you want to be comfortable, you know, because um, we, we kind of got onto this topic and we were debating whether we should bring this into it. But so we'll just lightly touch it, that the environment also really matters. So the comfort, the lighting, the I, environment of I the room, that. the decoration of the room, this, this matters, you the know, mood. It's like, you don't want to, you want to drink a, 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 a really rare, amazing wine next to a dumpster. No, no, <laughs> you don't. Good point. You don't. Yeah. Is the wine the that. same? Yeah. The wine is yeah, the, the wine's same. same, but the environment's different dumpster and it's like, it's so not, it's not great. Like no one wants that. So, yeah, so, man. you know, it's nice to, to put a little bit of effort, a little bit of money into <laughs> into your room you know buy some buy some hue lighting um you know to to change the mood of, yes. of the room at night we're we're doing you this know?
1: podcast under a uh, what do you just call that almost lavender
0: yeah it's like a lavender right color now. right now and then there's red over here i'm a big fan of hue lighting it's yeah, it's, color you know, lighting it, for mood yeah yeah and, and when you're listening at night You know, and you get to dial in just so perfectly the level of the light, the color of the light, different shades. You taught me that. You know so true. And then and then you have these beautiful speakers that have incredibly complex paint jobs on them. And the the complexity of the of the reflection of all these different colors on them. Well I was I was teaching my little five year old something about
1: uh, you know, light and color by um, with this colored light. And you've got a remote control. You could do all these different colors. And all these buttons that show you the colors that you have uh, available are those colors. So if you're looking at the remote while you press the colors, every color you press, that whole palette of colors that you're looking at on the remote changes because the light changes. So it was just a little teachable moment with the kid. Uh But it's like everything changes when you change the color. Anything yeah. that has a color becomes a different color. Certain things can go black, you know, because they're mm-hmm. the opposite of that color that you chose or whatever. But more than just a hue changes, it's it's the ratios and relationships with colors. Um, I'm a huge fan of turning off the lights. Yeah. So I, I like have my system and I, and I have a certain light setup that, you know, like... I know if I turn on this light in the other room, I I can see just enough uh, in in this room to know how to adjust, you know, to see the remote, find the remote or my iPad or whatever. I cannot listen to music with my iPad. I can't focus on it with my iPad cover like open. Oh yeah, or on. yeah, yeah. So after I choose music, I have to close the iPad because it's just a distraction. It's this bright LED light that's probably blue based that's just really cranking and um in all of these just any any type of distraction if you remove that distraction you really enjoy the result it's just Mm -hmm. amazing what uh, focus and, and enjoyment you can have from removing your distractions at the listening position oh yeah absolutely and i like my ipad for controlling rune better than my phone because there's just a little more space and, and it gives me more, op- more options more views view uh, more albums I can view at the same time it's all kinds of stuff that's um that's great but there's man that light source is just terrible when I want to focus so mm-hmm. I turn it
0: turned oh yeah it is all right so so in conclusion um if your options are limited in your room and you're right up against the wall um Please absorb that back wall right behind you. Yep. With with proper uh, absorption panels, you can go to, you know, uh, there's uh, ATS Acoustics. Um, I like to many, make my own. Many other. Uh, you can make your own. You can you can buy Corning insulation. You can make your own uh, uh, absorbers for cheap. Um, uh, you know, you want to absorb it. If you're uh, you know, two to three feet away from your back wall, um, you can diffuse it. Or a
1: mixture of diffusion
0: and absorption. I was like, you can, you can try that as well. Um, depending on how ambient your room is. Like if you feel like it's too live already, you can put some absorption in there. If you feel like you already have like, for instance, carpeted floors and the room is kind of, it's not really that live of room. It just kind of has some slap echo. You might want to just think about diffusion. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to deaden it too much, but if it's a really live-sounding room and you have a long decay, then then think about absorption right behind you. Yeah. Um. But uh, and then and then also if you're if it's a dedicated listing room that you you could basically do anything with, you know, you want to experiment with all these different um, locations uh, for your system, and we've talked about this before you know asymmetrical setups yeah you know excellent way to set up your room the room the 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 main room right behind you right now like the the larger room that i have is really an asymmetrical setup when you look at it yeah it's 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 staggered off to the side of the room
1: yeah and you're Um, not under the apex of the roof which was something very important that you and i learned when we were recording uh brad you remember that when we moved mm. Brad around, and it just really sounded best just off the apex of the yeah, it
0: was a, a double bass cathedral. player that we were yeah that we were recording and yeah and and how the the ceiling interacts with all that too and yeah so, randomize whatever you can we but... like asymmetry in audio yeah, yeah. we don't like s- symmetric things no yeah and uh, just... and one thing I loved about oh. this larger room was that the um the ceiling uh is very asymmetrical yep. it's it's um the 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 uh the peak at the top um is they the kind of like what was it, apex is that what yep. you call it yeah that's um it, would, it is is not in the center of the room no it's actually right. kind of probably a third way through the room right. which right. is very very nice yeah very nice exactly. um and yeah. so and so you know you you want to if you have options you want to experiment with asymmetrical stuff. It may not make your your eyes very happy, but it may make your ears very happy. Yeah. So so right. please experiment with your listening location. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know what your this textbook uh symmetrical layout where your your couch is against the back wall. You know maybe maybe the couch is staggered a little bit. Maybe the system is is, is staggered diagonally a little bit in the room. And, um, you know, you look at a lot of setups that, at, at, at uh, audio shows and you'll notice that a lot are, are staggered and, mm-hmm. and very asymmetrical. And that, that's, that's for a reason. The, the smart ones are. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, think about your listening height. Think about your comfort level. Um, these, these are all things that, That play a real big role in in your enjoyment which is the end goal this is all for fun you know and all for yep for great experiences and um these help with that so yeah best luck anybody setting up a listing room and uh and i hope we encouraged some of you out there to to start moving things around experimenting a little bit
0: i've been on the line with a smoke machine
1: but but the, the the problem the problem you, this of is of course you do this no, is <laughs> that's such a you thing that
0: would be so perfect though but That'd here's cool. the problem with it this is the problem with it so i i started like looking up reviews Crazy. on the smoke machines <laughs> <laughs> are are the reviews really fun well no it's that basically my main question was does it leave a residue on things? Yeah, right. Because because I, I, you, nice know, a, you know having you know a expensive record collection and also nice speakers and stuff with a finish on them that's really nice. You know I don't want a residue on things. If you ever been in an right? old music venue, you can pretty much smell the smoke when
1: you go in there. <laughs> there's something chalky about. It, I don't even know what it's made of, but. It's but, just something. Uh,
0: something makes me just want to override it and say you know what the hell the uh, smoke machine's gonna be not worth not only am I of course you need to do this but when, <laughs>
1: when are you gonna do this is it gonna be like tomorrow
0: I, I need to do this in my house too I don't know I, I, I just you know besides the residue <laughs> issue sorry. I think the smoke machine might be just amazing
1: <laughs> it, might, it might be amazing <laughs> I love it I love it dude All right, well, we'll report back on our findings. Yeah, yeah, maybe there'll be a
0: tweak in the, uh, it'll be a topic in the future is a smoke machine topic. All right, but let's move on to our topic of 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 the the week. week. Yes,
1: (laughs) Uh, this one comes from a trio of guys. Um, This is a brand new one, Uh, just came out. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's new to me. It was released September 15th, 2020. I think it's new to CoBuzz. So, a lot of the new releases that I go off are based on you know the CoBuzz releases or title. Mm-hmm. Um, and today I saw a bunch of uh, Bill Evans stuff in there. So sometimes you see like remasters. They'll do them in batches, or or like they'll they'll buy a few titles from. An old library, so you'll see some old artists with like a few things. There was like two or three Bill Evans things in there, which is cool. But I noticed this one. I won't. I won't be dishonest and say that the the name of the album didn't draw my attention right away. <laughs> but apparently, essentially, this is an album that is a. It's a. It's like an avant-garde jazz send-up of Richard Wagner the famous German classical composer and um, the title of this one is called Dick Wag, which I guess is just Richard Wagner and a, and a short, short uh, phrase for that. But it almost gets you immediately into the mind space of like, okay, this is an irreverent send up here. And then you're looking at the album art and it's very mind. It's, fully Monty Python, and um, hmm. it's three guys, Fred Thomas, uh, Ewan Bleach, or uh, I hope that's how you pronounce that name, and uh, Benoit uh, Beco. And it's three guys that are reimagining Wagner hits, I guess you could say. I mean, you've even got uh the wedding march in here yeah, yeah
0: but but yeah, they but yeah. they
1: but they made it this is my favorite track, by the way, but they made it uh minor key and called it Wedding death March, and it's stupefying, it's so cool, um the reason this album is our recommendation of the week is not just because it's a, a wildly creative artistic endeavor to take. Wagner and reimagine it as you know, I guess this is jazz, these are jazz players, but it's such just music it's like just taking classical and and totally messing it up in such a great sounding way all of that aside this is one of the best recordings I've ever heard as well, you know it's just stupid, um so it kicked yeah. me on my ass today i I told you. It's got to be it.
0: We've been listening yeah. to it all day. What do you think? Um, That the, uh, you know, there is a directness about the sound. Yeah. Where, I, you know, it like, kind of boils down to, and some people will understand this. Some people, y- you may not. It may, it, you know, you may not know what I'm talking about. But you, you listen to a stereo system and you kind of know what component has gone wrong in it. Oh, okay. You know, you can almost dissect it. Well, I've you heard have this,
1: you before been like,
0: are those new cables? Because that's a, that's a cable sound, you know? Yeah, like, you yeah, know, they're you like kinda, we, we can kind of dissect yeah. into, into exactly what the... Contribution what, is yeah, for each it, thing. Yeah, and what this sounds like is, is a very great signal path that is not overly complex, but they have everything they need to have. And what I mean by that is, is that, you know, Duncan and I have learned this, um, you know, compressions, uh, is, is normally necessary. And so, you know, you have compressors and you have, you have to have a mixer because you have to get levels, right. You have to mix the damn thing. Um, But at the same time, you want to, you know, there is a, another element, which I think a lot of, um, the pro audio guys don't think as much about, which is keeping the signal path, um, as low as distortion as possible. Yeah. And there is something, there's something about the signal path that they have in this that is correct, where the leading edge transients and and the directness of sound is the way i would put it um is is correct and and yeah. it's and it's digital done right that is the way i'll put it there's a moment on wedding death march track
1: number 2 um where the piano starts soloing where he's holding notes and it's just normal piano sustain high notes hold it and it happens so many times in so many other records but in this one, those notes decay just like a real piano. I mean, it lasts, and it's just a couple of notes that he holds. And I meant to point it out to you when we were listening here, and I forgot, but there's a couple of moments to show you that purity of, of recording chain. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get such a sense of the, of the size of the room they're recording in, because all of those like, fine little, you know, signal details are not lost. They're still there. So, yeah, for a digital recording, just stuck out to me like a sore thumb. Man, this thing is killer. This is like a direct-to-disc
0: final on digital, you know, killer. Which, which we're getting there. We're approaching it. Um, yeah, with, with PS Audio, we just released a um an album uh, by a band called the... Uh, Fox feathers, fox feather, yeah, and it's local band, and it has a lot of those characteristics too. So we're we're starting to dip into that um that level of transparency, yeah, um yeah, you know, where, it's
1: possible you you need your priorities set the right way.
0: Well, what I, what I found was that, or this is my take on what makes direct to disc so special, is is besides a really short signal path and usually very simple compressors and they've just kind of done, you know, the minimum that they needed to do in the signal path to make that setup work is that, um, a lot of digital recording systems have such a long signal path that can kind of almost, uh, have a a tape effect of kind of like rounding off the transients from live music. And uh, we, we've done experiments where we run it through a really high-end uh, mixing console and then listen to uh, the result of it going through a mixing console versus Direct. it just being the digital ver- uh, master uh, that was originally there. Yeah. Um, and what we found was that the 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 mixing console, even though it's it was uh, a super high end Studer, you know, uh, mixing console, it really had this almost tape effect of mm. of like kind of this compression in itself of rounding off the transients. Yeah, and you know that's where where tape is. Yeah, it's 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 you know it's purdy and it it sounds nice and it's not offending. Well, it's but it's like it's not very realistic in the sense that it sometimes can round things.
1: Well, that's, was the strength you know? of
0: tape, you yeah. know? Yeah. 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 And that's yeah. why yeah. People pushed their levels into the yeah, yeah. red zone. Tape. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it starts, the compression is, 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 you know, pretty sounding. Yeah. So I had a, I have a coworker, uh, Peter, who
1: was, uh, talked to me about an, a Neve console, just like, a, an all out assault on state of the art digital, right back at the beginning of the digital era. And how like they built into this thing so much headroom that it was absolutely, absolutely impossible to clip it. Mm-hmm. Um, they built just in, in gobs of headroom into this thing, and which means it would have to be probably discreet. Uh From what I understand, it was. From what I understand, yeah. it was obnoxiously expensive. Yeah, you know, half a million dollars type type of expensive. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, man. I mean. The, that was intentional uh, to to a degree, you know. The tape saturation is a thing. Yeah, and it is here a thing. in the digital age. We have such a mm-hmm. potential for purity. We oh, we do. And, we and do. We For
0: making the get
1: reaching yeah. that that uh, direct disc. And, and um, we, we
0: we talk about how a lot of times those options actually end up backstabbing you. Yes. Because because options, uh, right? you know um, recording engineers and. And mastering engineers, there's too many knobs. There are too many signal paths. There's too many devices where you can get yourself in trouble. Okay, man. You know, and and you can actually. um, They're they're very focused on, you know, amplitude. They're very focused on balance, which is which is very very true. Yeah, but. But they're they're not necessarily the most sensitive to the signal path distortion of the actual circuit itself.
1: No, you just get lost and in chasing. It's like what you said earlier, how like as an engineer, if, if you're looking for a problem, you can find it. If you're looking for something to touch with a plug-in on a recording, you can find it. And you can find a plug-in that can touch something. And then it's, like, it's almost like as you learn about what the, re- what the plug-in can do then you go looking mentally for that problem in your recording and you just slot it in just like, cause <clears throat> let's do this. You know, there's, there's um, plugins called transient shapers that actually exaggerate the effect of a transient mm. so that it, that, so that in your process of smearing all those transients, because you've got layers of tracks, you've got, mistimed stuff with phase problems you've got all kinds of phase problems based on mics then you can bring it all back by accentuating these transients artificially i see and what it does is it recognizes the transients then gives them a little spike and then brings it back down right after right so it just Mm -hmm. accentuates that transient but how linear is that and so anyway <clears throat> that is one tool and we're talking about you can then do all these different plugins. Let's do a stereo width enhancer. You know, why not? Mm. Well, don't because it messes with the phase. But yeah, let's do it because it's ostensibly fixing the phase. Like it's just mind numbing how many things you can get into that'll lead you astray yeah. in the digital recording era. Yeah. Yeah. So uh bravo so what man song, to these what guys. What song would you start out on this? Wedding Death with? March. Okay. Is my favorite. I like Prelude. Prelude. Just you sold me on that. That is so beautiful, especially toward the end. And then you are shocked off of your pants when Track Four starts. Yeah, yeah. Fafner the Giant, which is an awesome track on its own. Yep. Shepherd's Lament is incredible. I mean, this is this is an album that all of you need to know about. So here we go. It's called Dick Wag, a tribute to Richard. Richard Wagner um, by Fred Thomas Ewan Bleach Bleach I don't know how to pronounce that but and then Benoit uh, Delbeck Um, as always we're going to have this on our website and uh, our website is net, and uh, it'll be on the front page there but it'll also live on our albums page so you can um, get a link to that I'll link to the band camp for this and um, Yeah it's it's just an incredible album And I and can't wait for all of y'all To hear it And uh, hear some feedback um, From from those who it really uh, Connects with Alright well with cool. that uh, Man this has been a good one This was fun uh, Hope y'all enjoyed um, This has been another episode of the Hi-Fi Podcast With Darren and Duncan I'm Duncan I'm Darren I'll catch you next week See you. Bye. The Hi-Fi Podcast with Darren and Duncan is produced by Darren Myers and Duncan Taylor and it's copyright 2020 of Slope Productions. The intro and outro music is provided by Denver's Color Red
0: Studios and features the song Bangs by the band Many Colors.